0: Women in Leadership brought to you by Herring Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit herringcode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. On today's episode, we are joined by Kristina Frolova-Lesenko. She's a serial entrepreneur building empathetic tech, strategic advisor to startups, corporates and governments. And she's a social entrepreneur, CEO and founder of AI. Quite early, I understood that
1: I need to start building up my career. Mm. So I tried a lot of different things in Riga and tried to find a job. And it was extremely hard at that time. Mm I was a journalist, I was a cleaner, I was a babysitter, I worked in a shop, I worked in a coffee shop. Anyone who takes a new job, you always has this imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, of
0: course. So when you're
1: battling with that, mm. it's like, okay, what is the right answer, right? Mm. What should I follow? Mm. And this is the only belief in yourself. Why the technology today, especially the way algorithms work, they're not aligned with the way we behave? It means that whatever you launch here, if you do good, you know, it will go globally.
0: Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. I want to welcome to the podcast, Christina Frolova-Lesenko. Welcome. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. You look amazing. I told you this already, but I have to mention it. You're so wonderful. Thank you. It's a Sunday and we're working yeah. people on a Sunday yes. and we're enjoying this conversation. Now, we we discovered we met each other so many times, but this is the first time we get to actually sit down yes. and have a conversation. Uh, Christina, it's been amazing to receive your bio and actually understand your journey so much more. Uh You've been everywhere. You've done so much mm-hmm. personally and professionally. Um, But I think it's really important for us to take it back uh, to the very, very sure. beginning. So born in Latvia, I, I believe.
1: Yes, yes, that's right. So <laughs> tell us more about your
0: childhood. How was it? And what was it like living in Latvia? You know, that's such
1: a rare question people ask, but I think that's so important because your childhood so much directs who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So Latvia, it's a small country. It's in Europe where just two million, less than two million people. But I just had this conversation with a friend of mine that, you know, there's something common among all of us. We have this passion to aesthetics. Mm. We have a beautiful architecture, wonderful nature, like a four seasons, proper four seasons. Mm -hmm. So I grew up uh, in Riga with my sister, my mom and my dad mm-hmm. so I have a younger sister she's in tech as well oh, wow, an incredible woman mm-hmm. um, yeah and then when I was 19 I moved but before that I think one of the things which make me choose the path of being entrepreneur and in general to go a different direction which usually people would take mm-hmm. is that in school I never felt like fully belonging Mm. And I had to find myself, find my space because I couldn't really relate to the interests, you know, which other guys from the school which mm-hmm. they would take to. Yeah. So I did sports actually as well. So I played volleyball for about twelve years. Oh wow! I can't say I was the best at that, <laughs> but I really loved that. Yeah. Because uh, like when you, you know, when I do something, I try to obviously to put maximum of myself into that. So it's mm. teach me a lot. I think the sports is amazing because just the helps you to. You know, to be dedicated. Mm. And if you need to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning and then walk for one hour at the snowy winter (laughs) to get to that, you know, gym to do your, you know, to do the exercises and then play Mm. and, you know, then participate in any whatever championship, you do it. And this is exactly what you need as a skill when you grow
0: up right mm-hmm. so I don't know tell me what else do you want to know because I can't <laughs> well it's talk so interesting because you said you know I you said and I quote I went for something different so what yeah. was the norm what was the culture in Latvia were your parents uh very supportive of everything and mm. anything you wanted to do and then furthermore to add to that question two girls no boys so mm-hmm. what was that kind of you know the female the female yes. empowerment at home yes. how was that yeah, the parents were super supportive. Uh, they never
1: told me what to do, mm. so I had a basically a white list of choose whatever you want, mm-hmm. and we're gonna support you. And it's until now and today, it's like, it's like you know the saying when they say parents like a wings. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my wings for sure. Wow, because I wouldn't become who I am today, and I'm still such an early stage of my journey. Mm. But like knowing that whatever you do, you're you're Always will be supported back home, and they always have a place to get back to mm-hmm. and come back. And mm. uh, now, especially with my daughter, they're supporting as well, you know. So, yeah. I think like without that having that it will be much harder mm. much harder um like we're a very simple family but uh, we grew up in full of love house mm. and uh, my mom and my dad always did everything what they could the best for for the kids for us for me and my sister mm-hmm. so we always will have the best things you know, even they, they wouldn't allow anything, something for themselves or wouldn't buy or wouldn't do experience something. They're always focused so much on us, you wow. know, Uh and we were always very different with my sister. Mm-hmm. I think like we're very different personalities, but. Mm. But like uh, growing together in the same room, that was quite a, <laughs> quite a challenge, you
0: know. Well, but, and, and you've both gone into the same industries, yeah. I guess, which is really, yeah. really fascinating. But yeah. what's incredible is that at a young age, you moved to Ireland at the age yes. of 19. How was that? How did that happen? Ireland of all places. Tell yes. me more.
1: Yes. Yeah. So like quite early... I understood that um, I need to start building up my career. Mm. So I tried a lot of different things in Riga. And I tried different jobs and tried to find a job. And it was extremely hard at that time. Mm-hmm. So for those who doesn't know, like Latvia, after the Soviet Union, we have like 45% of Russian speakers. Mm-hmm. And then we have the rest Latvian speakers, right? So okay. it's a country which is like half and half, almost half and half divided. I think it's less now. Mm-hmm. So while growing up, it, we go, went through a lot of reforms, like a language reform. So mm-hmm. my parents are Russian. Uh, however, I born in uh, I was born in Latvia, right? So I speak Latvian, I have my passport. So for me, Latvia was always a home. So it never was about the language. It's 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 not about that, right? Mm-hmm. When you grew up, and then um, I did actually before leaving. I think that's quite that was a fact as well. So I joined the school council and became a school president, so president of the school council. Mm-hmm. And this is where when I had a chance to get exposed to different projects outside of Latvia. Mm. So one of them in Europe, we have a youth in action. This is a project developed by European Union, which basically picks up the leaders from different schools and bring them together and help them learn new skills. Mm. And one of the skills which I was learning was about how to organize the activities and through the playing, teach youth or impact youth thinking rather than about you know, parties and drugs or alcohol, Mm -hmm. think about, you know, sports or think about bringing the impact. And I think that's affected a lot as well because this, when I went for those and I went to France for the first time, Mm -hmm. when I went to France and I met other leaders from other countries who actually think like me, who doesn't enjoy that tradition not tradition it's not tradition but you know Mm. growing up in a small school in Riga there was like uh, a lot around uh partying rather Mm. than doing social projects let's put it this way right Mm. so and then when I went I realized wow it's not just me who doesn't like it there are some other people who want to change it so it's not about me not belonging it's me being not in the right place maybe Mm -hmm. so maybe I need to go and search for the people who think like me Mm. and i think this is what um this is tough to understand when you are a child right yeah because like you because you imagine the whole world is this this house this house and then this Mm -hmm. uh, area and then this little city Mm -hmm. right and until you go out you don't understand it's actually it's not just you there are other people you know Mm. so um traditional path would be you know, going to school and, you know, getting getting the job and, you know, just getting enough, earning enough to leave, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's changed a lot now because I want to fly back and I see, you know, I look at the back at people who I used to grow up with. They have an amazing, like some of them has an amazing careers mm-hmm. as well. Right. But at that point, it felt unreal. Yeah. You know, because there was no many opportunities back in Riga. Now we have Accenture and Booking mm-hmm. and PwC. At that point, I think we had only one of them, you know, so there was not much you could do
0: yeah. away
1: from kind of going into innovation, I would say, mm. and tech, and this is what I was always wanted to...
0: So it's amazing that you found like-minded individuals in these brand new communities and societies, yeah. but also there must have been like a culture shock with it as well in these different countries. So how did you deal with that? Because it's kind of good. And then there's there's pros and cons, isn't there? That's right. That's
1: right. You know, uh, by the time when I went, actually, by the way, my English wasn't good. Mm. So I'm not sure how is it now. I'm still struggling. But it's like amazing. What I, thank you. But when I went, um, I uh, I realized that actually it's not about English because first of all, all of us were coming from different countries. Mm -hmm. Everyone had a very strong accent and they, you know, they were speaking as they could at this point because nobody had English as Mm -hmm. a, you know, first language. But then I realized that there are other qualities which can help us to communicate and I just open, like discover it within myself that the empathy helps me a lot. Mm. And then when I put other people needs, interests first, mm-hmm. at least when I communicate with them and uh, that helps me a lot to understand them, right. To understand that background, mm-hmm. to understand how they think, how they make decisions. And then it helps me to understand what I should be doing, right. How how we can get connected. Mm. So I think it wasn't, it was shock, but in very positive a way of saying it Mm -hmm. because I I think it was more like a discovery. Right. right? Yeah. And then since then, I've got so much passion about the neuroscience and behavioral science, understanding what makes people choose certain things over other things Mm. and experiences. So what drives them? Mm -hmm. Because when you remove that layer of language, you Mm -hmm. know, there is something else and there is something else in common among all of us, but there Mm -hmm. is something, and there's a lot of things obviously, which are we all of us bringing Uh, from our background from our
0: childhood so Mm. yeah so it's interesting so you were you were essentially traveling at that point once you'd left Latvia so Ireland France Mm. what at what point did you realize exactly what it is that you wanted to do Mm. I think I started to search for what I'm gonna do quite
1: early Mm. like I started to work in general like I think I was 12 my Mm. first job was when I was 12 and then I was working over summer so when I was fifteen. My dad had a cleaning company, so we did a lot of different type of jobs. So if you if you know if you need somebody to help you to wash the windows, I can do it as well, or or do yeah. the floor waxing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but when I moved to Dublin, mm-hmm. because I already like did that, like I did few things in Latvia, right? So mm-hmm. I was a president of the school concert. I Actually, did some social project for kids for orphan houses. Mm-hmm. So it was together with the holiday. Politi- one party mm-hmm. there. So I was thinking then you know what I will come to Ireland and with my background I will be you know I will find something. Yeah. It's going to be easy but it wasn't like that. Mm. It took me two years. I did I don't know 12 different jobs. Wow. Like everything. I was like I was a journalist I was a cleaner I was a babysitter I worked in a shop I worked in a coffee shop was a supervisor so so trans was translating the texts so like So many things before I managed to, it's not because I was just searching for myself because I couldn't get it because a new country, when you come without the experience, Mm -hmm. right, and you are young, Mm -hmm. it's just, if you don't have somebody who can take you and put Mm there. it takes time to build this. So Mm -hmm. that's for everyone who usually makes this choice. It's like, it's it's tough. It's going to be tough. You need to kind of prepare yourself, kind of give yourself a time. Okay. My expectation would be okay. Let's say it, I'm, I'm, if I'm a new country, mm-hmm. I'll give myself two years to figure it out, you know. Yeah. But now looking back with what I'm building, I'm realizing that everything, I, all of those jobs, everything I did, because all of them were consumer facing, mm-hmm. but I was part of the business. So always was like an in between. Mm-hmm. It's actually allowed me to see things which you might not see when you're just in one kind of a domain. Right. Yeah. And... It helps me as well to relate to people Mm -hmm. with different statuses, different income levels, because to all of these jobs, I met met with a lot of different people, Mm -hmm. right? Different Mm -hmm. backgrounds, different Mm -hmm. cultures as well. So uh, before I started working... Not even with Google directly. I work with the vendor first. Mm. Um, yeah, it took a took a good few years to to get. And I was studying, by the way. Mm. I was still studying back in Latvia, oh. so I was working full time and studying, Dublin and studying, flying back to Latvia, wow. doing my exams and everything in advance because otherwise, how? Yeah. And I remember going to each teacher in school. I'm not sure if and I can talk about it because I think it wasn't a ra- Allowed for them to do, oh. but like they basically. Ticking the box that I am attending full-time studies and I wasn't there. So I had to talk to each and everyone, which is like five teachers every semester, right? Mm -hmm. Asking them, explaining to them, you know, that I'm living in Ireland right now because this is, I need to earn and this is the only place where I can, you know, get a Mm. job. Um, so if I wouldn't have my friends back then, I have uh, now they're all around the Europe, but wow. who were supporting me a lot to prepare for it and mm-hmm. to study for it. Yeah. So working full time and then studying nighttime and then flying back doing the wow. exams. But then I did everything full time. I didn't do part time studies. So I kind of saved. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's helped me to save the time a little bit.
0: But so then two years of doing everything and anything that you possibly <laughs> could, learning so much, broadening your horizons yeah. and and. What was that moment then? Was it uh, a connection that you had made? Was it someone mm. that had helped you in the industry get you your first role, be mm. it, that you really wanted in the industry? No, you know, um, I remember I finished my, uh, I've got my
1: bachelor degree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now I have everything, right? So mm-hmm. I have experience and I have my degree on hand. Yeah. And, uh, and it was quiet, period. Again, three months, nothing. I applied for all of the different type of jobs mm. and nothing. Wow. And then one day I had three interviews. So one was for the, like a chain of restaurants. Mm-hmm. Now it's a chain that time that was just two or three. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then uh, another was for the school, English school. They needed a, sup- so both needed the supervisors because I've got a degree in international business. Mm-hmm. So business and di- commercial diplomacy. That's, okay. that's what I studied. Mm-hmm. And the third one was like working with the customers, mm-hmm. but through the phone calls. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I did all of the interviews something which didn't make sense to me is that the last role which is the third one which is the customer support mm-hmm. I had like five or seven my mind probably is playing with me now but I mm-hmm. think like five yeah maybe five or seven like interviews and mm-hmm. I was like why like you know it's mm-hmm. like it's just a customer support job right mm-hmm. so why you're having so many so intense yeah, yeah so intense and then I waited again I think a month or something and then I got the offers from all of them in the same day. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and two, the supervisor jobs were mm-hmm. much better paid mm-hmm. and a better location. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all and both of them was about communicating to people because I knew that's part of it. Like, I always wanted to connect, like being among people, supporting them and then connecting tech to it, you know?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But then I thought, you know, there's something else there. Why this job had so many interviews and like, there and plus that was for me the connection I could have it with technology, mm. so with tech, and that's really corporate. And wasn't about corporate for me. It's mm. more it was about tech. Mm. Yeah, and I remember my day. I was like, okay, I'll go for it, and I went for it. And then my first day, I'm coming to the to the office, and I'm arriving, and the door is open, mm. and I look up and I see the Google sign <gasps> above the reception desk. Wow. I'm like what <laughs> oh now it makes sense yes, yes. wow because we weren't so they hr and you know recruiter and the whole team weren't allowed mm. to say because obviously the companies i will not be mentioning certain names because until now like i have a certain contracts which i cannot some yeah. information i cannot disclose but like big companies big corporates they work with uh different vendors mm. vendor companies and then sometimes you cannot say it so you can be, uh, let's say, client somewhere in UK and mm. you can be running, let's say, business, let's say, multiple shops and you need somebody to, you know, your ads are not running. So you mm. will find the phone, like you will find the phone number, you will call them mm-hmm. and the people will tell you, hi, it's Google, how can I help? Right. But that's actually people who are not being officially fully part of the goal, but fully trained, prepared, mm. equipped with the tools and everything, because then the company can scale much faster right. and attract the talent. So
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that must have been like a pinch me moment when exactly. you walked in. Yeah. And how was that? How was the culture? Mm. I mean, working, at all, albeit a vendor and mm. albeit a third party, yes. but h- how was that for you? Good question as well. Um
1: because I can compare now, right? Because yeah. I've been indirectly and directly. Yes. Google and Facebook as well. So there's a different, a bit different cultures. Mm. I think it's always, the company is a big thing. Mm. Like the direction the company is taking is a big thing. However, your direct management mm. and the t- people you work with and how you're taking responsibility for your own clear communication mm-hmm. and your appetite to grow and learn. I think that's what affects you the most. Mm. Because I remember that was a wow, like, like aha moment for me Mm. when I just like first or second week. I was in office and I I was still like, I'm still, I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm having like a dose, I don't know what dopamine there, because <laughs> like, i still can't believe I'm there. Yeah. Like I still can't believe I, I was selected, but I looked at the people who were working and I'm like, they're so tired. They're so upset. They're not really motivated because... I mean, the customer support job is extremely hard. Mm. Like your, your SLAs are extremely hard. Just for example, like you need to pick up your phone within the 15 seconds. Your workflow manager who look after, you know, where the calls go and where mm-hmm. the emails go or the chats go. You know, they need to monitor each second, second by second, each person. So if somebody needs to run to the washroom, mm. they have only three minutes to do that. Wow. And they need to put themselves on specific code on the phone. So I started like that, mm. right? And then, but I've learned a few things. One is that how you value time. Mm-hmm. Because when you know that, you know, in five seconds, 30 seconds, you know, three minutes, you can do that much. Mm. You're like, wow, then the, the whole time value is very different to you, you wow. know? And then the second thing is that I've realized that in this environment for me to thrive is the only way. is kind of a throw myself to everything, which might not be really interested to other people. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, so, because I thought my logic was, I mean, I was 22. Like, you know, I had no experience in corporate. Yeah. But my logic was, okay, one day they would need, people would need help in that area. Mm. Or they would need somebody to have expertise in that area. Yeah. And I will be there. Mm-hmm. So I'll just be, I'll get best at it mm-hmm. and wait. Mm. So, and this is how from customer support, I became a subject, became a subject matter expert in policy in billing, in risk, analytics, multi So I kind of covered mm. all of the areas within the business. And yeah, at some point people started need help. And then I became a part of the, the whole team for SMEs. So we did a lot of amazing projects. But that's what like this element of either I learn myself, not sit and wait until somebody will come to me and say, okay, this is now your scope of job. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have a scope of job always, and it could take like 100% of your energy and mm. your, you know, capacity and but if you want to grow, you always need to add those 20 extra percent.
0: Mm-hmm. That's my
1: uh, and that's always worked for me in corporate.
0: Yeah. And one of the key things that you said was the team around you. And, yeah. you know, you you start building your own teams. So how mm. was that? What What is it that you look out for when building a team? Because you now, well, from a very young age, had a vision, had a feel, had a just mm-hmm. a natural knowing of the human connection. Yeah. So building the team around you must have been incredibly important yeah I think
1: any team like until today Mm. what I look into in people is um, well genuine people first Mm -hmm. so because genuine and being strong enough to admit the mistakes Mm -hmm. and admit the successes as well because then and the empathy Mm -hmm. super important being resilient I that's obviously at that stage was one of the most important qualities yeah uh my first team was actually at we were doing evening shift and mm-hmm. night shift. Mm-hmm. So imagine somebody would need to start at 3 p.m. and they you know they would finish at what 11, mm. right? And then though and there were another people who were starting very late at 9 p.m. and only finishing by the morning. Wow. So you really need to be dedicated and you need to be self-driven mm. and, and to be able to work uh, under the kind of a self I don't know how to say it, self-control kind mm. of a, so you don't need to self-supervision basically Yeah, I, and trust because I, I had no, well I had the few cases when I had to come over in the middle of the night or stay overnight obviously mm. so because my I was either an evening or, or night shift with them but mm. sometimes I was coming by the surprise mm. but even when I was doing this like the team was always performing there were some cases when you you know when I had to provide a kind of a feedback and provide it fast and very clear Mm. but this transparency and communication and then when everyone feels themselves as a being part of the team and this can be only built Mm. you cannot do it like you cannot create it by saying it yes hey let's be a team right right it doesn't work like that it takes either you yeah either you lead by example Mm -hmm. and you with them side by side mm-hmm. and you show that you admit if you did something wrong or let's say you took a wrong decision and you admit when okay what well, we did great and mm-hmm. you highlight both parts mm-hmm. then the people feel included in yeah. the process mm-hmm. you give them you trust them you give them responsibility mm-hmm. sometimes they don't stay yes sometimes just People are not right for the certain role, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then you you move on, and then you appreciate each other's time and re- energy, and and then you bring other people on board who actually would find the opportunity for them as well to grow there, you know?
0: Yeah. But, but you know, being a team leader is tough because mm. you talk about, you know, having empathy yeah. on a human to human level, but you're also there professionally to do a job. So how yes. did you find that balance? Because it's something I personally yes. struggle with a lot. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, I think the, the communication,
1: that's, mm. that's the key. Setting the expectations, mm. uh, making sure we're doing everything in time mm-hmm. and providing the feedback. Mm. Like, Later on, I've learned that it's called fast feedback. Later on, I've learned it's called running a crucial conversations. And what are the, you know, what are the scripts yeah, uh, which work best for it? So now, yes, now, you know, I did like I do speak about it sometimes, you know, I'm some sometimes get invited to corporates to share, you mm. know, how do you do that? Mm. But at that point, I had to learn a lot of the things just, you know, by feeling other people but yeah. at the same time you're right when you have those we had 40 kpis mm. so 40 is like t- your timing your quality of your job your communication skills so you need to you were evaluated by 40 different criterias mm-hmm. and as a team leader it means that it's not obviously you're not only communicating to your team But to other team leaders Mm -hmm. and the top management as well. Mm. So this is and it's a different communication, right? So, but I think in both ways, which helps, it's the clarity. Mm. We had amazing um, workflows, I should say. Mm -hmm. So we like we were equipped Mm -hmm. with amazing practices, like best practices, which Google shared with us. Mm -hmm. So, for just one example, the way we're doing the reports every week, Mm -hmm. we would talk about highlights and lowlights, and challenges, and risks, and opportunities, and asks. Wow. So, and you can see that from this, you build basically a bouquet, the full palette Mm -hmm. of what what happens in business Mm. without hiding anything, but showing good and bad. And I think this culture Mm. of showing good and bad, it's very important because you can learn and grow from something which is not good enough, Mm. but you can make something which is
0: good, even better and stronger, right? And mm. focus on that. Make sure you don't forget about it. Yeah, So um, absolutely. And I think that we speak about like good and bad culture. And I think that it's, it's more of a collab- collaborative process, yes. isn't it? Then? Yeah, it's not just one-sided. Yes. It's everyone in the team working together. Yeah. And, you know, everyone talks nowadays, especially about, you know, women in tech and mm. women in innovation. And, you know, the statistic is rising more and more yes. women in, in higher positions. But when you were working with Google, when you were working you know, with Meta, uh, also known as Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was the scope like of women then? Mm. Did you feel like the only woman in the room? What what was the, you know, the feeling for you there as an I individual? Had, oh, my gosh. I had
1: such a different experiences with both companies. Mm. And I get back to, I think, management uh, and leadership. Like, I had the best support ever. Mm. And in the same time, in the same company, I had my worst days in corporate. Wow. So at some point I was managing a team. I had to lead the team. Mm-hmm. Very um, diverse when it comes to culture. Mm-hmm. So people from Middle East, from Turkey, from Russia, from Israel, South Africa, mm-hmm. everyone together. Mm-hmm. And I came there. I was still young, like I was 24, I think, at that stage. And um, there was a certain policy in-house that you're, you can get this role only by Get, getting promoted mm-hmm. and being with a company for a while. And it wasn't my case because I was uh, invited to lead it because of my previous experience, because leadership believed a lot in me that I, I will be able to out of that create from something which is emerging, create something which is already strong. Mm-hmm. But that was a, uh, that was tough because, mm-hmm. um, because it's the first time when I face that the blocker, the big blocker is that I'm a woman. At this role, and there is no way I can even describe it. It's like it's something between the lines. It's like you know, either it's a culture of people who grow up not being able to see strong women at the certain positions because before it wasn't common Mm. in those countries Mm -hmm. to have women in those positions, right? So when... And so I cannot blame anyone. It's obviously, it's purely their background and and experience, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, yes, it comes with uh, their interest of learning Mm -hmm. and adopting to new things. But sometimes people are not ready to adopt. Not Mm -hmm. everyone adopts easily, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it took for me, like, I would say three quarters, which is like, what, nine months Mm -hmm. to kind of build the relationship with my own team mm. so it's not only and the way i actually did it i optimized a lot of the processes when i came certain things didn't make sense for me mm-hmm. and i felt we we're so much disconnected, uh, disconnected as a team mm-hmm. because we had to work with many like cross-functional partners mm-hmm. which is people doing very different type of jobs but then kind of following like focusing on the same markets right mm-hmm. so in order to kind of a uh, build these relationships with my own team and trust with my own team and make them believe that by the way I do have some you know in, I have intents to help and I have intents mm. not for me to thrive but for them to thrive and for all of us to move together and perform right yeah so I had to kind of build it find the allies in that company with crawl from in, within the different teams who would support me and advocate for me and from my own team Wow, okay. It's it's not common, mm. but, and I said it was one of the most challenging times in corporate because, like, I didn't know where to run and there was no place to run. You either give up mm-hmm. and uh, and you allow people to kind of put you on that spot, like on that place, mm-hmm. or you actually say, no, I know what I'm here for. I have certain knowledge and I will utilize my energy to, you know, to bring you to success mm. but you know like anyone who been in like not only corporate but in general anyone who takes a new job you always has this imposter syndrome right yeah of course so when you're battling with that mm. it's like okay where is this what what is the right answer right mm. what should i follow mm. and this is the only belief in yourself can mm. help you to or people outside of organization who remember who you are mm. can remind you of right so yeah. what is your what are your strengths and i think until today it's for me it's the one of the most important because in general like entrepreneurship is tough right mm-hmm. sometimes we push and we push and push and push and we are like okay when is this moment when i maybe i should stop mm-hmm. how would i know yeah. you know mm-hmm. so that's why i always need people to but to have them, you need to be genuine yourself. Yes. To share with them, right? Mm-hmm. Who you are, really who you are.
0: Yeah. yeah. You have to be incredibly self-aware as yes. well as yes, to what yes, you bring yes, to yes. the table. And so you left corporate. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking like it just happened so quickly, but but <laughs> you left corporate and you decided to, you know, go at it on your own. Tell us more about that. That takes a lot of courage. It's a lot of bravery. What did you decide yes. to do?
1: Yeah, you're right. It feels like it's one day you just give yeah. your laptop back and your badge back and that's it, right? <laughs> yeah. I Until now, I remember this moment. Mm. Because when you are building like, what, 10, 12, 10 years, I was there. Mm. Uh, but it didn't happen like that. For me, yeah. I was preparing for it because mm. I have a quite high responsibility. I have a daughter. She's mm-hmm. seven now. At that point, she was, what's like two years back, right? So mm. she was like, she was five. Uh my parents and i'm financially responsible for all of us mm-hmm. so it's like what four of us yeah um so for me leaving a job where i know like i felt like 90 percent of guarantee that i will have a success because i kind of already cracked the code yeah how you grow there right yeah. and uh so i was living Matter at that point. For me, it's still Facebook. Because when, yeah. when I left, it was uh, Facebook. Yeah. So I still got to be calling on yeah. Facebook. So, uh, and I was leaving amazing team. And this was actually the, the hardest part. Because mm-hmm. I was like, the gaming team, because I was doing gaming at that point. Mm-hmm. The gaming team was just one of the best in my whole career. I think like, it's like when some people say like, you, you need to leave when you're the your highest. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think this is what I've did. Mm. Of course, I could get, you know better positions but the culture and the team i work with appreciation i had uh, knowledge i had and insights i had and everything utilized to help clients grow to mm. find the next big thing is just uh i just felt myself so much of in the right place yeah so comfortable then to leave was like was completely like black and white right mm. but the reason for me to leave so when I moved from Google to Facebook, I already knew I will do my startup one day. Because mm-hmm. um, the reason for that, it's not because I want to be entrepreneur. Mm. Yes, I always wanted more. Mm. But the reason was that, you know, <clears throat> when you're for so long in tech, you's, and not tech, any domain, right? Mm-hmm. Any business. You see things, you see certain patterns, Mm -hmm. and you see what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. There is something inside my mind constantly since I joined, which never makes sense for me, which was the way both companies and others now as well work with data. So... I wasn't always, I was always questioning like, cause I was on marketing side, right? So Mm -hmm. after the whole customer experience, I moved to marketing, to new business, to sales. So Mm -hmm. I went through many different departments and the last was gaming, right? The gaming, basically working with the gaming developers, and working with the gaming developers, it means that you know somebody who does marketing with a small budgets of hundred dollars a day to work can invest potentially if their game is good mm. and the business is good. They're going to be investing three million, you know, five million a month dollars. So when you talk about this, you know, rapid growth and those budgets, you see a lot of things when it comes to you know algorithms, data optimizations, and creatives and all of that. So for me, it was like always was a question why the technology today, especially the way algorithms work, they're not aligned with the way we behave. Mm. So why are we tracking cache and cookies? And mm. why are we following the clicks and views and installs, which is post factum of decision? Mm-hmm. And this was always a question and I was always trying to Kind of walk around it and find the new opportunities within corporate. Mm-hmm. And I tried few, f- few things with a few departments, and I realized that I cannot change it because the way it was built mm. will not like I can't change it because it will it mean it means we would need to change the whole algorithm, right? Everything mm. from the scratch, right? Mm. But then. When the G- GDPR in states, the new privacy, data, data privacy was introduced. And then I got to know that, okay, the new changes on Apple side are coming, which is IDFA changes. I was like, okay, looks like there will be one day. And the way we work with data today and the way we collect data from people and Mm -hmm. the way we utilize this data and make recommendations will not work Mm. because we'll just lose the access to this data. And we didn't learn how to talk to consumers to ask them for this data. So me personally, I'm just i not agreeing with certain things. Mm. So I'm not agreeing with the fact that today, if you have an account in any of the social media, you either tolerate whatever they know about you or you erase everything. Mm. There is no anything in between. Yeah. There is no way for you to control it. There is no way for you to say, okay, this part of my life, I don't want to be exposed. Mm. Or this is actually not, you know, it's not up to date anymore because I changed. I moved. I changed my job. I don't know. I changed my interests. Mm. So I was always thinking, okay, how do we find the new way? Mm-hmm of working with the, we call it like a first party data, right? So it's like, yeah. like, how how do I find a way of asking you to tell me what you want, mm. to tell me what you need? And then based on that, I can make the recommendations for mm-hmm. both for marketing, not for marketing, for anything. And then another element to that was um, when you're looking at the landscape today of the tools out there, digital tools, mm. right? You see that we have everything to discover new products, new solutions and content and services. You can read about it, you can look at it, you can try it on, right? You can see how to use it. But then if you look through this whole funnel of decision-making, basically, between having those all options, and now because of the paradox of choice, there's hundreds of options. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we we don't choose anything just because of being overwhelmed, right? With how many are, Mm -hmm. are there. There is kind of an empty space when it comes to deciding what is there for you. Mm. Nobody helps you to do that. Mm. And then there's like, okay, you can purchase this. So there is in this whole chain, there's like an empty space Mm. and nobody is like, I can't say nobody because right now, obviously we have certain tools, which let's say this, the simplest example would be Spotify, right? Mm -hmm. So to Mm -hmm. make it to decide what you want to listen, you get the recommendation with Spotify, right? And until today, I don't see strong enough algorithms which would understand well enough you Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what you need and like your behavioral patterns and will be able to suggest you what you need. So when I realized it's not there, the data, the kind of a landscape, data collection landscape is changing. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, somebody should build it. And I was hoping for somebody to build it for a few years. (laughs) 2 years so I was literally waiting because I was like you know I'm in corporate I cannot be a person who gonna build the new algorithm it mm. just doesn't make sense I'm coming from sales I'm coming from marketing right so there's not believing in myself actually kind of a, I, I can't say postpone I still believe I did everything in the right time yeah but I didn't do it earlier mm. plus I never ran a business myself mm. so to go into entrepreneurship Like I wasn't sure about myself enough to, you know, to Mm -hmm. run a business rather than running a teams within the corporate. Mm. Uh, Yeah, but then I realized that when the COVID started, I realized that corporate is not stable as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Everything can change, like this. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: People get redundant. People companies change their, you know pillars, focus areas, and their strategy. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? With everything which is happening, either I'm doing now I'm doing this, never. Mm. And then I ask myself, like, okay, like 20 years from now, if I'm not going to build it, and if nobody's going to build it, mm. am I happy with the whole digital environment of not having it? And then I imagine my daughter using the whole devices technology out there platforms everything the whole ecosystem Mm. and not having it I'm like you know what no I'm not ready like I feel and if and there was another element to this I felt like not doing this cost me more Mm. rather than finally doing this yeah because I would be thinking about it all my life because I I feel is that I have this I spotted something which people. Might not see, or mm. if those who sees might think the same way as I am, like okay, mm-hmm. somebody else gonna do it, yeah. and we shift this responsibility to somebody else's
0: shoulders. Mm-hmm.
1: So and
0: you'll all just be waiting, <laughs> yeah. Waiting, and everyone waiting, waiting. waiting, yeah. And here we are, two years in now. Yeah. You've uh, recently moved to the UAE, so you moved to the UAE with this, and yes, you know you didn't move to Dubai for Dubai for the UAE. You moved, mm-hmm. of course, for the product yes. for what you wanted to achieve, and. Yes. Um, briefly tell me how the last two years have been being here in the uae and finally i guess pursuing your calling i never doubted
1: mm. and i think that's a big sign because we're like we say that we take decisions right and then but it's not one decision i usually i don't know i love to say it because i keep reminding this constantly to myself mm. you we take those decisions every day so let's say to be entrepreneur. You, you every day need to decide to be entrepreneur mm. otherwise you will just get back to something else right mm. same with the with the UAE when I moved here it was very different because again it's a new country where nobody knows me mm-hmm. like it's so similar to how it was for me in Latvia when it's like you know people knew me and then I moved to Ireland and I you know it took me time to start doing those right steps in the right direction yeah so when I moved here it was the same it was like, You know, forget about the experience you have. Now you need to build your kind of, you know, everything from the kind of from the scratch. Mm. But no, it's, of course, it helped me. My background helped me, of course. Mm. Like they, definitely my LinkedIn today, the, you know, the bio in my LinkedIn definitely helps when I reach out to other people. But I think few, few things what I love UIE for Mm. is uh, how people are, open to new things i think when you show them that you have only best intent Mm. they can relate to it and they want to be part of the story
0: Mm.
1: because in general there are not many genuine people at least who open up and who show their actual face and tell why and what they want because Mm. sometimes people think that You know, it's better hide or where I pretend and I don't want to go that direction. But um, when you give first and then maybe ask for something in Mm. return, but again here to feel myself fully comfortable uh, and I'm still like I'm still feeling myself like nomad, like Mm. uh, it's uh, it's it's a. It will take time to, you know, to settle down properly, Mm. but having, having your people around you super important. And that's one of the reasons why I started the, the UAE future innovation founders Mm -hmm. community, because I've realized that those founders, the change makers, the people who really want to build something changing the world for good. It's not many of them, Mm. We think it's a lot of startups, but it's not, it's, you can, you know, it's, you can put the list one to 100,
0: mm.
1: even less. And then all of us going to go through the same challenges. We're all new here. Mm-hmm. We all want to build something here. Uh, and the only way we can do it is actually by, you know, in supporting each other, by um, advocating for each other. Mm-hmm sharing what is happening where because in uae is incredible there are so many things constantly happening yeah like you know yourself like Mm -hmm. you are part of this world like Mm -hmm. it's it's just the amount of the important events and more than activities um happening like you like it's just impossible to be everywhere yeah but the amount of opportunities here in the markets it's amazing Mm -hmm. and the fact how diverse is the community communities mm. it's like the i think it's diversity of communities here rather yeah. than co- only one community it's incredible so yeah i never doubted and especially mm. for the product as as you mentioned for me moving to uh, uae was important because so i'm building i'm building the algorithm mm. i say it's a sympathetic algorithm why because we found a new way of basically collecting the data from people in the way that they actually want to share this data mm-hmm. because we give them my value back. And to build something like that, you need to be in the epicenter of the most diverse community, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want the, any algorithm to be biased. Mm-hmm. So when I had to make a call where I'm moving from um, Dublin, because I always knew I, I need to be on the ground mm-hmm. when I'm going to be launching the business, I realized that Dubai and Abu Dhabi, in general, UAE, is the best opportunity because like when it's like 83% of expats Mm -hmm. living here, the very clear vision for this country being so much consumer-centric and focused, focused, Mm -hmm. people-focused, values-focused. And with, you know, 9 million, if I'm not wrong, 9 million living here, but then 12 million traveling every year, Mm -hmm. it means that whatever you launch here, if you do good, you know, it will go globally it mm-hmm. will it will be spread globally by itself it's a bright product mm. so yes here I am two years yeah. in, <laughs> you're, you're,
0: it, you possibly made the best decision of your life I, I can probably tell you that now and I know they say you know when you start a brand new business uh, or a startup they say give it five years and then you'll oh. you'll know how successful you are you know how well you've done but I have absolutely no doubt Christina that you're going to be here for many years to come in and out we're going to see you absolutely everywhere I I wish we had more time because... I think we're going to have to bring you on for season three, I think, because we have so much more to get through. But I just think your your story has been fascinating. And I think you're an absolute trailblazer for for what you're doing. And uh, you should be incredibly proud of yourself. I hope. You. I think it's so important for all of us to take moments to acknowledge oh, how far right. we've come as well. Yes. So I hope this is one of those moments for you. Um, I want to encourage everyone to follow you um, on Instagram <laughs> and, and your LinkedIn, because that gives so much more context as to who you are and for what sure. you do as well. I hope Hope you've enjoyed the podcast oh, today I, I, I didn't notice the time at all it was I a
1: surprise for me when you said okay i wish we have more i time. know
0: it flies yes. the time really flies but i'm so grateful thank you so much thank and you. i'm sure we'll have you back so thank, thank you so
1: much the energy in this room was amazing oh, thank, thank you, you. For that.
0: Thank you. <laughs> women in leadership brought to you by heron code